Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and today we're starting a new adventure, which is always very exciting. Um, recently, in our borough newsletter, I came across this um, article from the desk of the mayor. One of my goals for 2019 is to re-energize the mayor's wellness campaign. In 2017, Tenafly was one of the first communities in New Jersey to be designated a healthy town. Being a healthy town means that residents have an opportunity to take part in activities which improve their physical, mental, and emotional health. The Tenafly Mayor and Council and the Tenafly School System have also declared our town and schools to be stigma-free. The Bergen County Stigma-Free Campaign is a countywide program which aims to reduce the stigma associated with mental illness. The program is dedicated to raising awareness of the disease of mental illness and to create a culture wherein residents who have the disease feel supported by their community and neighbors and feel free to seek treatment for the disease without fear of stigma. The Mayor's Wellness Campaign is looking for partners, residents, and professionals willing to share their ideas, energy, and expertise in an effort to get our neighbors moving. I would like to put together some programs that promote good health. We need to be active, and whether young or old, there are activities that will improve our health, which will lead to an improved quality of life. It is my intent to put together some programs that will encourage all of us to become more active. Please consider joining us, maybe even creating a class or a program. I look forward to hearing from you. For residents interested in seeing their local government in action, replays of both the Borough Council and Board of Education meetings are found on Cablevision's Channel 77. 
Although the schedule changes each week, usually you can find one meeting in the afternoon and one meeting in the early evening. Peter S. Rustin, mayor. So who could not respond to that call to adventure? Um, I have been uh, interested in and involved with uh, the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign since 2015, uh, shortly after I moved back uh, to Tenafly. And uh, every year or so, I've tried to do a fitness quest uh, here in town. Uh, there are several of those. Uh, the websites are still up. They haven't been taken down yet. So I'll be posting links on my Facebook uh, timeline for those of you wishing to uh, explore past activities. But in the present, I decided to do uh, something more. So uh, I created a new segment called The New Labors of Hercules, which will uh, be airing on the first and second Mondays of each uh, month. Um, I renamed uh, the shows Optimal Wellness and uh, refocused what we had, which was awesome, uh, to include uh, Optimal Wellness. And uh, I increased the total number of our Optimal uh, Wellness shows so that uh, uh, we can go beyond focusing on the Tenafly Mayor's um, wellness campaign and focus on other aspects of uh, wellness. And we'll be featuring uh, increasingly more people from uh, in and around the borough of uh, Tenafly. Um, I also started uh, posting more information on health uh, on my Facebook uh, timeline. So uh, I think I overdid it a little bit over the past few days in preparation for this new adventure, uh, but uh, they are uh, on there. And uh, let me visit now and walk you through uh, what has been posted. Okay, from the Creskill Public Library, um, we were sent a resource to um, link those who wish to eat more food from small sustainable farms uh, to Field Goods, which uh, delivers uh, local produce uh, weekly. And the Creskill Public Library happens to be a, a convenient uh, pickup point uh, so you can order food from there, and uh, they will drop it off at the library, and that you can uh, pick it up a little uh, later. Um, we also have from the JCC uh, on the Palisades, the Kaplan JCC on the Palisades, uh, they're having some uh, wellness program. Uh, launching this month is Singing and Dancing in the Rain, uh, which is a program for uh, seniors in our community. Uh, and they also have a, a new program for um, people who are experiencing memory problems earlier in life and for their caregivers. Uh, these programs are great. Uh, I've been to a few of them uh, several times. Uh, and uh, they were awesome to experience. The community there is fantastic, and the staff there is uh, fantastic as well. Uh, in addition, uh, those who will be coming on the show as uh, guests in the uh, very near future will be asked if they have any advice uh, to give to the folks in Tenafly and to communities everywhere that will help them become uh, more well. So that's something that will be uh, continuing. We have also the American Workforce Association. Uh, they will be 
uh, focusing on helping those in our area with our health as well as with uh, their labor issues. And that is incredibly awesome. Uh, we have Jerry Hocheck, who is the publisher of Natural Awakenings Magazine in Bergen and Passaic Counties. Uh, he's a friend of the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign, and he helped out at the community table uh, last uh, uh, year, and he'll be helping out again uh, this year. Um, the folks at Charles Atlas, Jeffrey Hogue, and Cynthia Soroka Dunn, uh, they are also friends of this initiative, um, as is the Chapala Grill, uh, which is a Mexican restaurant that Athena and I frequent very often, and they have been fantastic with uh, um, meeting my ever-changing dietary needs uh, through their uh, delicious preparation of uh, food. Uh, so they've all been on board. They've contributed to recent efforts, and they'll be uh, helping out with uh, future efforts as uh, well. Um, I'm going to play a quick song, and then we will be back uh, to learn more about uh, this particular um, initiative that I am rebeginning again this year. Uh, in the interim, we're going to listen to Cry Freedom by Bone Poets Orchestra.
Hercules Invictus, and our guest for tonight is Mayor Peter Rustin uh, of Tenafly, who penned those words that I read before a musical instrument. Welcome, Peter. How are you? I'm well, and you, Hercules? I'm well as well, and uh, I'm very stirred by your words, and they've certainly uh, driven me to action. Um, can you tell us what you envision for uh, the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign uh, in the future? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you. I'm so pleased to see you partnering with the uh, JCC on the Palisades because that is a phenomenal facility. Yes, all, it is. And first of all, people should understand that its membership is open to all, and you could not ask for a better facility, two gyms, uh, an Olympic indoor pool, outdoor pools, uh, weight rooms, uh, racquetball courts, two full-size gyms, a workout. It's just a terrific place to work out, and uh, not only physically, but mentally as well. And uh, we can never underestimate the importance of uh, mental and emotional strength uh, as far as good health is concerned you know, as well as physical strength. And, and I think you get it because I listen to your show, and I, well, I appreciate you. that. And we can go back about 10 years when the mayor's wellness campaign first started taking off in New Jersey. Uh, we were mm -hmm. one of the first, ta well, we were one of many towns to uh, welcome a mayor's wellness campaign, but we were, I think, the third or fourth town to become designated as a healthy community. And we did that by par partnering and piggybacking on activities that were in existence long before our, our mayor's wellness campaign, things like the 5K run uh, mm -hmm. and uh, walking to school on Wednesdays. Uh, I happen to believe that one of the most healthy activities you can do is walking, and Tenafly is a great place to walk. Uh, first of all, the air is clean. Second of all, there's hills and, and flat spaces. I know Plenty my dogs... Back. 
I'm sorry? Plenty of hills and flat spaces. <laughs> I like to walk as well. I know. I see you walking all over town. I do a lot of walking in the early morning. I take my dogs out every morning. Uh, it's a great great way of exercising. We get to see deer and lots of other animals. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a great place to, uh, to walk and to, to live in. And it's, a, it's an honor to be the mayor. And it's an honor to have the opportunity to work with all of the people that, that uh, work with us. And uh, it's a great town, and probably one of the reasons it's a great town is because of the people that live here. I, I would agree. There are some awesome individuals in uh, uh, this uh, town. Uh, uh, lots of uh, people whose uh, unique creative self-expression is, is awesome. Uh, and uh, as I uh, point out tirelessly, um, that uh, Tenafly, in my experience, is one of the places where, despite one's uh, perspective, uh, underneath the uh, uh, apparent uh, contentiousness at times, there's a deep concern for Tenafly. So everyone's heart seems to be in the right uh, place. And you certainly have a great heart, and uh, that is obvious through all your actions. And including this What I like about Tenafly is it's a very inclusive town. It's becoming more and more inclusive, and over the last few years, uh, not only myself, but our borough council, our schools, are putting more and more importance on uh, people with special needs. Uh, We are addressing the needs of our seniors. In order to be a healthy community, we have to reach out and touch all of of our residents, not just the, you know, the, the average people, but the people that have needs, the people that maybe don't have a support group, and I'm very pleased to see the progress we're making in those areas. And I intend to cover all of that uh, um, through uh, the uh, podcast, through uh, my online uh, social media, uh, because all of them deserve uh, attention and all of them need to be uh, highlighted and celebrated because uh, uh, Tenafly is very rich in caring. And uh, these That's programs you know- prove it. I'm proud of our open spaces, our parks, our borough council, our recreation department, our senior services committee. All are striving to make uh, their people that are within their mission uh, have healthier lives. And like I said, health is not just physical. It's mental and emotional, too. And these are areas, especially in our schools, too. You read about it in the papers all of the time. Schools are much more than just uh, learning ABCs. Uh, We have to teach leadership. We have to teach uh, that uh, people should be sharing and, and, you know, eliminate bullying. And these are things, uh, themes that are becoming more and more uh, evident in our, our schools. And I applaud our school system for doing that. As do I. And uh, in response uh, to that, uh, I've expanded my optimal wellness shows, and we're going to have a show on uh, mental health and another one on accessing uh, community uh, resources more readily, uh, and uh, another one on, uh, um, you know, basically uh, um, self-help. 
and techniques that people can apply towards making their lives uh, uh, more meaningful and more uh, effective. And uh, some of the folks that I've uh, done creative things with over the years, for instance, Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein, she's an empowerment uh, uh, psychologist. Uh, she's going to be coming on the show. And on every show, I'm going to ask my guests and co-hosts and uh, so forth, uh, what advice can they offer to the residents of Tenafly and other towns uh, throughout uh, our world, you know, on health. And this way, the focus will be continually on optimal wellness. Well, I think the, some uh, advice that I'd like to offer is I want people to reach out to their neighbors, uh, to become more aware of the people that live nearby, uh, and, and to in, be inclusive and uh, the the more you reach out the more you more you receive in retu- in return um I, I like the activities uh, coming up uh, soon will be the Reuben run at the JCC that's on Mother's Day and it's a very popular event and i believe last year for the first time and it will be continued this year there's one of the one of the runs is through the woods uh what could be more healthy than that and we are very fortunate to have up on the top of the hill a nature center with about 200 acres uh, of unspoiled uh, forest, and it's a great place to walk and, I guess, in their case, run. I've never run through the forest. Uh, I've walked through it many times, and uh, a healthier time you can't possibly think of. That is awesome. And even our Tenafly Public Library is starting a uh, yoga and mindfulness meditation activity in April that will run through May. Um, uh, for folks who aren't very ambulatory, uh, this way they can get uh, fitness uh, through uh, sitting and uh, performing these non-intrusive, uh, uh, non-impact activities. Well, I'm glad you brought up the library because the library, the, the Tenafly Public Library, is a very, very special place. And much more than books and tapes, uh, they mm-hmm. have a lot to offer. There's a lot of, of clubs or activities there. And uh, you need to go on their website. Uh, same thing with our senior center. It's much more than a social gathering place. They, the classes they have, the groups that get together, uh, can really broaden your, the quality of your life. And uh, that's what it's all about, you know, just trying to broaden all of the things that, that encompass your being. And uh, you, uh, you understand it. It's the Greek ideal. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I certainly understand it, and uh, I've recently suffered uh, some losses. Um, my aunt uh, passed away, and, and uh, that you really need to uh, uh, make each moment uh, meaningful. Uh, that's uh, struck home very powerfully again, even though I knew that. Well, I, uh, I was reminded by life <laughs> that uh, um, yeah, our, our life here should be celebrated, enjoyed, and uh uh, that optimal wellness is a big uh, portion of that. Um, Onassis, who was a very wealthy uh, um, ship owner and, uh, in Greece and very well known during the, the JFK era, um, he suffered uh, from health problems. And he had said that that's how important uh, our health is. And uh, um, we, we tend not to think about it until we're no longer healthy, and then uh, it becomes an issue. Well, I had an opportunity uh, some time ago to offer my condolences on the passing of your aunt. Your aunt was uh, ill for quite some time, and you know, yes. uh, not necessarily uh, something less than a blessing. But uh, I haven't had an opportunity to, to pass my condolences on to you about your dog. As a dog person, 
I understand yes, exactly. I hate to say this, but uh, there's nothing more healthy than having a dog. Dogs provide yes. that. So she certainly loved uh, dogs. Well, uh, when I first became mayor, I started bringing my dogs to Borough Hall, and when people asked me why, I said I wanted to make Borough Hall more like a home. I wanted to make it more friendly, and I've had a series of pretty friendly dogs uh, that have done just that. And uh, you know, it gets to the point that when the third graders come to see me, they don't come to see me. They come to see my dogs, and uh, <laughs> that's okay. That, that, that's okay. The dogs are, are very diplomatic, and they're very goodwill ambassadors, so we could do a lot worse. And uh, to this day, my dogs go to Burrow Hall almost every day, and, uh, you know, I, I believe it really warms up the place. And it, it really does, yes. And that's what I think we're missing is here, not to serve itself, but to serve the people and to make people feel better and to improve their lives. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, parts of the government are missing the boat, to put it mildly. Yes. And of course, uh, I don't know if it was the Greeks or the Romans that said, uh, you know, in a perfect world there'd be no government. But uh, obviously we're not a perfect world. No, we're not. And uh, we, we still have a ways uh, to go before, before we uh, become a perfect world. But uh, there, as long as there are people in charge like you, uh, we will always be moving in that. Uh, our journey for today is coming to a close. But thank you very much for being on the show, Mayor Rustin. Uh, you've certainly inspired me, and uh, I'm very proud to be involved uh, with the Tenafly Mayor's uh, Wellness Campaign. Well, you know, you're a tremendous asset to our mayor's wellness campaign. I'm very proud to call you a friend, Hercules, and I, I truly Same believe here. in your mission. Um, I may not see you with your dogs, but, but I, I do see you walking around town, and you brighten up everybody's day, and that's, that, that, that's probably as big a compliment as I could give anybody, somebody that brightens up everybody's day every day. And I thank you for that, and I'm so pleased to have you as part of our community. Thank you, and I'm very, I'm very happy and proud to be a part of this uh, community. Mayor Rustin, um, uh, I will be inviting you back to speak about the history of the Mayor's Wellness Movement uh, at your convenience. Um, until then, be well, my friend. And you, you do the same. Thanks for the opportunity to speak. Okay. Uh, we're going to listen to both. You too, Peter. Take care. Uh, segment.
Fine. How are you this evening, Hercules? I'm doing as great as can be. As great as can be. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited about this new direction because now we begin to look at some of the wider implications of uh, uh, the sword and sandal physique in the sword and sandal uh, movie. And today's show, in fact, is labeled "Message of the Sculptured Masculine Physique in the Media." 
Um, and I'm sure you have a lot to say about that. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, I thought we might start uh, with some of the uh, first representations of film, as a matter of fact, in the 1890s. Looking forward to it. Okay. Um, you, uh, Edison and the uh, Lumiere brothers, um, well, uh, in addition to you know a number of other people, um, you uh, developed devices in order uh, so that uh, you know human movement could be filmed. Um, mm-hmm. Edison uh, beat the Lumiere brothers to a projection system, although the Lumiere brothers had a superior projection system. Um, But one of the first things that uh, Edison filmed in his studio was uh, Eugene Sando, uh, who was the father of modern bodybuilding. I was not aware of that. that. That is awesome. It is, and it really uh, ties in very well with uh, you know tonight's um, topic, if you think about it, uh, because uh, you know some of the earliest representations of uh, you know masculinity on film are you know these uh, hypermasculine uh, archetypes uh, that we often see you know in the peplums, but were some of the first, you know, recorded, you know, moving images. And and some of those are still available, you know, thanks to YouTube. And, and now I'm on a new quest after our program finishes tonight to try to find some things. <laughs> well, the the the, uh, the short films are, are very short. Uh, you know, in the 1890s, uh, most films didn't last more than a minute or so. You know, feature films didn't really uh, come into vogue until, oh, let's say, you know, 1912, 1913, uh, especially with D.W. Griffith. Um, you know, they had bec- the short films had gotten longer and longer, but you know, feature film lengths uh, took about 20 years or so. The the earliest that I knew about uh, with uh, the muscular physique was Machiste. Uh, ah, the original okay. film that he appeared in, Kabiria, I believe it was called, um, and yes. Uh, yes. Th- that was the first that I was aware of. And now uh, I'm discovering uh, through what you're sharing that it goes back to the, the very roots of cinema and has continued. Uh, so Kabiria is actually a late evolution. Uh, in a sense, uh, yes. Um, now the uh, little the short films with uh, Sando um, were just uh, films of him posing. Um, he uh, pr- you know, prior to um, the uh, the World's Fair in Chicago in 1893, he had uh, done a lot of uh, you know, strongman shows you know, throughout Europe, uh, and uh, Florence Zegfeld. Um, wanted to bring him to America to uh, appear at the uh, Chicago Exposition. Um, but you know, decided that, you know, instead of just showing you know, uh, feats of strength, which had been done in the past, the audience was really there just to see him and to see his, you know, uh, muscularity and such. And uh-huh. he just ended up posing. 
he ended up posing, you know, for audiences and was wildly popular. And that is what uh, led to his uh, being filmed by the Edison studio uh, the year afterward in uh, 1894. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think about it, um, you, for more than 100 years now, we have looked to the movies to um, kind of figure out what masculinity is and um, the, you know, the message behind it, really. Yes, what, what, uh, the, the message of masculinity was radically altered uh, by the uh, Peplum uh, films. And uh, the, the, the sword and sandal genre returned uh, something ancient and heroic. Uh, to the role of man, and uh, it, it has celebrated it uh, phenomenally, and that still echoes and reverberates with those of us who are fans of the genre. And, you know, uh, since the uh, Peplum uh, era, which started roughly in 1958 or so, we really haven't left that. I mean, we've just been building upon it. Yeah. If you go back, if you go back and look at... Um, Feature films, you uh, some of the great silent uh, films from the 1920s, and look at male representation uh, in those films. Um, the male physique looked very different from what we hold as an archetype now. How so? If you go back and if, if you go back and look at matinee idols of the day, um, and, and let's we'll, we'll take uh, you know Valentino uh, as an example, it was okay. a much you know slimmer, trimmer build, um, and you even saw that into the 1930s. Um, when you look at you know. Um, male representation in 1930s films, especially where you could actually see the physique, uh, those were usually, those actors usually had been Olympians. Um, Let's say, uh, you know, Johnny Weissmuller, um, Mm -hmm. Buster Crabbe, and even uh, Bruce Bennett, who had been uh, an Olympian uh, under his uh, real name of Herman Bricks, you know, they were, you know, very muscular, yes, but they were very lean. They didn't have, you know, the exaggerated muscularity that we have since come to know as that male archetype. And we can probably thank Charles Atlas, you know, for getting that yes. started. Uh, yes, that's an easy, I, I'm associated with the Charles Atlas uh, company, and uh, I actually sit at Charles Atlas's desk and uh, – uh, sit on Mr. Roman's uh, chair uh, when I'm uh, down by uh, the office. And uh, that is incredibly awesome. Um, but yes, uh, they molded our perception of masculine very powerfully uh, too uh, with the, um, it had a very anti-bullying message uh, for the day and that even resonates uh, today. And uh, up until a certain point, uh, the, uh, musculature was associated with bullying, and uh, it, it turned that around and made it uh, associated with uh, d- defense against bullying. And that, that brings uh, you know another point uh, that we probably should talk about. You know, um, when Charles Atlas uh, started marketing his uh, bodybuilding course, 
um, that was around, I think it was early 1920s, I would say like 1922 or 1923. Um, he marketed that to what we uh, would call, you know, sort of a sedentary population. Um, you know, a lot of uh, modern conveniences um, had come about uh, by the early 1920s, and people, uh, you know, weren't farming as much. They were uh, moving into the cities, and they were living kind of lazy lifestyles, and they had gotten very soft. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, leading them, you know, and kind of lending themselves to you know, being bullied by you know perhaps you know, a stronger figure. And uh, if you go back and look at um, the marketing you know, surrounding Charles Atlas, it was brilliant. Um, you know, a lot of it used uh, photographs of Charles Atlas, and you know, it. Used photographs of him throughout the stages of his life. You didn't just see, you know, a picture of him in his 20s. Um, it, they sort of moved along with him to a certain point, even to the 40s and 19, even in the 1950s. And he, he was still in very good shape at the time. And a lot of uh, athletes and celebrities in the 1920s uh, used and helped him helped him popularize his program. Uh, the 1930s boxers, for example, uh, Joe Lewis and Max Baer were two of the people mm-hmm. who uh, were adherents to uh, the Atlas Dynamic Tension Program. Wow. And I guess we should probably talk about uh, Bernard McFadden as well. Um, he, was, he actually uh, predates uh, Charles Atlas. And yes, McFadden has been... He had been uh, kind of a weak, sickly youth. Uh huh. One of and, uh, um, our upcoming co-hosts uh, is a big fan of uh, Bernard McFadden, and uh, when I was uh, at the good. Life Expo in New York City, uh, we spent a lot of uh, time. Uh, well, I actually spent a lot of time listening to how he was applying the uh, health. Uh, uh, teachings of Bernard McFadden into his uh, routine. So it was phenomenally interesting. And I got a refresher course from Bernard McFadden. I used to have a big library of books by uh, Bernard McFadden. And uh, I knew people who knew him uh, many, 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 many moons ago. So uh, thank you for bringing him up. And, you know, he, a lot of his teachings about nutrition, we still follow today. Uh, you know, which is interesting for you know, a man who started his you know, physical culture career in the 19th century. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, as a youth, he was uh, very weak and sickly, and he was sent to live on a farm for a while, and his health turned around. Um, he credited the strenuous work of uh, being on the farm and, the, and being so close to the source of nutritious foods. As as you would have been on a farm for turning his mm-hmm. health around, but when he moved back to the city uh, to work, his health you know kind of spiraled downward again. Uh, city air quality in the late eight, in the late nineteenth century was largely terrible, uh, mm-hmm. and in many cities, uh, fresh food was very lacking. Um, and I'm sure that that played a huge role in the health of many Americans at that time. You know, around the turn imagine, of uh, 20th, 
around the turn of the 20th century, uh, I think the life expectancy in some of the bigger cities, such as New York, especially for some of the lower classes, was very short. It was, you know, it was under 40. That would have been mm-hmm. the life expectancy. And McFadden started working with weights and uh, started experimenting with nutrition, although he he was also a proponent of fasting or starvation, which is not something you would see out of most nutritionists today. Um, but uh, he, he waged a war, for example, on the consumption of white flour and how terrible um, – uh, white bread was, and you know, we we still talk about that today. As a matter of fact, <laughs> and delicious as it might be, um, and he began publishing uh, the magazine Physical Culture in eighteen eighty in eighteen ninety nine, uh, which I find amazing if you think about it. I mean, that was you know technically that was still the nineteenth century when Physical Culture uh, started publication. Wow. Um, yes, uh, those uh, those things that you mentioned still echo throughout our uh, um, consciousness. And uh, I was thinking back to a time uh, when I was young and enjoying a couple of movies as they played on our little black and white TV, where uh, white bread, I remember specifically Wonder Bread, uh, was touted mm. as uh, something phenomenally healthy <laughs> to, to be eating. And, and that was our understanding at the time. So Bernard McFadden was uh, truly a visionary and uh, a man uh, out of his uh, time. Uh, yes, he was. Uh, yes, he was. And, you know, people, uh, people like that are uh, primarily responsible for giving us you know the uh, actors that you know we we now love to see in these peplums. Um, you know people like Steve Reeves, for example, who was you know Mr. America, nineteen forty-seven, and Mr. U- Universe, nineteen fifty. I mean, he obviously was influenced by you know some of the things that he read and you know the images that he saw in magazines like Physical Culture. Hmm. So everything is interconnected uh, much more than uh, is initially uh, um, uh, obvious. I seem to remember also that Charles Atlas uh, uh, was awarded uh, an award by uh, Bernard McFadden as having, I, I believe, the, uh, the uh, world's best physique at some point. And, but he only won it once. Somebody else won it the second time or the other way around. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you can go into eBay and uh, find any number of old uh, physical culture uh, magazines, you yes. can find some that uh, you know uh, actually predate even 1920, which is amazing that something's lasted that a piece of paper has lasted that long. But if you go back and look at the covers of the magazine from the 1920s and 1930s. You see a surprising number of uh, Hollywood types like Dorothy L'Amour, uh, Ginger Rogers, uh, Nat Pendleton. And it's interesting how many women you see on the cover of physical culture. And that's something that kind of shifted uh, after World War II uh, when looking at you know, physique magazines. Um, and I'm thinking of uh, Strength and Health. Uh, Adonis uh, was a popular one in the 40s and 50s, and the Reg Park Journal uh, was very popular in the 50s. 
And those always had some sort of male representation on, on the covers of them. But going mm-hmm. back to look at physical culture, I, I was just kind of um, I, was, I was interested to see you know, how many uh, actresses you saw uh, on the covers you know, in the 1920s and 1930s anyway. And, and the shift you know, po- post-World War II uh, on the covers of those magazines, it was, it's just a very – it really stands out. It's really striking. Uh, yes. Uh, are you collecting these magazines now? I do not collect them. Or, or just researching. Um, oh, you're not but, collecting. Okay. No, no, no. I, I've uh, I've, got, I've got too many collections going now, now as it is. Um, but you know, fortunately, you live in a digital age, and you don't need to collect. Um, uh, you, you don't need to have you know physical copies. Uh, this information anymore you can go back in and look at you know the covers and sometimes you know depending on uh, the magazine itself you can see practically every page uh, which is nice about living in a digital age it it is I'm still having uh, problems adjusting I will admit to to that I still like holding things in my hand Uh, I still like uh, stacking them up and looking through them. And uh, when I first got Kindle, um, I remember feeling, okay, I can carry thousands of books around in this little uh, device uh, until they changed something and I couldn't access any any of my thousands of books in there. Uh, So uh, Mm. um, it made me grateful that I hadn't gotten rid of all my uh, comics and books that uh, I placed inside the Kindle. I eventually was able to reclaim them but on my computer, um, so I could still enjoy them. But for a while, that was uh, horrific. I'd started uh, um, thinning down my collection, then all of a sudden I couldn't access any of it. Well, and you know what? Um, I, I am sort of that way when it comes to um, you know, physical media for uh, film and television shows. I still have my... Yeah, I still have all my DVDs, and I, I, even though I stream a lot, I still haven't gotten rid of any of that stuff, and I don't think I ever will because I do like having uh, those copies. And you know, some of the films that I've got, you know, on DVD, are, you could easily drop out of, let's say, Netflix or Hulu at any time, and then. You know, if they're not public domain, they might be difficult, if not impossible, to find in some sort of streaming format. Mm-hmm. Although that said, I see things that uh, have a copyright on YouTube all the time, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes. uh, uh, is a little troubling uh, now and then. I, I know several uh, uh, filmmakers who own films that uh, they see uh, – you know, uh, um, available in stores or uh, on YouTube or in other streaming services where they own the, uh, um, you know, the copyrights and the trademarks and uh, and all of this, and uh, they have to send out cease and desist letters. But uh, uh, right now, this uh, type of uh, information sharing has also unfortunately made it very easy to pirate things and distribute them very fast. And uh, uh, so it becomes a problem to people who own the copyrights and trademarks of these things. Yes, it does. Yes, it and does. Um, one of the things that I try to do on my website is uh, I try to use any I try to use only uh, material that I know to be public domain. I try to do the same. 
Sometimes and you I don't usually know rely that. on. Well, that's oh, true, and sometimes you have to do your own research uh, for it. I, tr- I do try to rely on archive.org, which I find to be a great repository of uh, public domain works. But I will often find um, a film, for example, that I know is still under copyright uh, on archive.org, and you really have to uh, do your own research uh, to make sure that you're not violating copyright. Now, um how would one research that? Uh, because uh, the, the copyright uh, varies from country to country as well. Like I know that uh, in some places, Conan the Barbarian is in the public uh, domain, uh, and in other places, uh, it, it isn't, and it's uh, very fiercely uh, defended. Uh, and I believe uh, there was a, a movie, um, I forget which one uh, the title is. I think it was Iron Warriors or Iron something. Uh, but they tried to wiggle in this gray area. They were uh, prevented from uh, uh, releasing the movie. Uh, and But their argument was that where they made the movie and where they uh, uh, conceived of the movie and wrote the movie, those were places in which uh, uh, Conan the Barbarian was, was indeed in the public domain. You're quite right about this. It does uh, shift from country to country, and that does really muddy the waters a lot. It is very difficult to do. But it is uh, worth doing because, uh, again, uh, people do own this, and they earn a livelihood uh, from it, and uh, um, you are, in a sense, depriving people of their livelihood. Um, but uh, the model on uh, some of the streaming services uh, online makes it very easy to, to do it, so a lot of people do. Well, and you know, uh, even even when the streaming service is honoring copyright, oftentimes you know the owners really don't get you know much in the way of payment um, you know, for the works that they own. Now, how has the um, the masculine image affected you personally uh, in uh, because your site is a shrine and it was one of the first shrines out there uh, to the uh, beefcake uh, physique as it's uh, called sometimes or the bodybuilders physique or the sword and sandal physique uh, and you maintained the shrine and uh, um, people like comment on it positively and visit the shrine so I'm not alone in uh, going there. Uh, in fact, you recently got a request to share um, the fact that the show was airing today from a fan of your site. Um, so how has this uh, transformed you? How has it changed your life? With me, it's, it's it pretty much determined what my life path was to a very great degree um, uh, because of uh, the shows and other activities that, that focus on this and, and try to perpetuate it. My being involved with Charles Atlas, I, uh, whatever it was that uh, um, resonated with me as a child, it stayed with me for my entire life. Um, how about with you? Well, I, I'm one who believes that uh, you should always t- try to put your best foot forward. And um, you know, certainly that even extends to uh, you know, something um, n- not only uh, you know, inward, such as intelligence, but outward, such as appearance. And I, I think that that's something that sometimes um, maybe gets lost in our culture these days. Um, 
you know, for example, uh, when I was a child in the 60s and 70s, um, my mother, for example, would never have left the house without, you know, her, her makeup being done. She would have been dressed in something very clean, very nice and such. And people these days just kind of, you know, wander out and whatever. Um, and uh, it's a shame that that's kind of gotten lost. Now, I do know that, you um hyper representation can backfire as well as it can lead people, you know, men and women, it can lead them to eating disorders and such. And, and, and that's, that's kind of a, a downside to it as well. Uh, but I really don't think that there's anything wrong with, you know, looking as good as you possibly can. I think a little bit of vanity is probably good for everybody. I, I think it has health benefits as well. You know, a little bit of vanity um, you know, might uh, keep you, let's say, on the, you know, the treadmill for a few more minutes longer, or perhaps uh, it'll make you think twice before eating that cookie that you really don't need, and, and it really isn't very nutritious either. Um, and you know, everything in moderation, of course. I mean, there's always you're always going to have somebody who's just entirely too vain, but I think a little bit is actually good. I want to thank you for tonight. I looked at the clock and our time is over. Um, And uh, I want to task you with uh, a new responsibility when we do the uh, podcast. Um, As you know, I am a champion of uh, the mayor's wellness campaign here in uh, Tenafly and uh, I've shifted the focus of a lot of our shows to optimal wellness. And uh, from this point on, if uh, you would be so kind, uh, I'd like to request that you uh, leave us with an image uh, from uh, Peplum Cinema or earlier um, that uh, each episode at the end that would inspire people to go out there and, as you said, you know, get uh, more fit and healthy. Oh, very good. Okay, thank you very much, Brian. You're awesome, and I look forward to our next show together. Okay, we'll chat soon. Have a good evening. You too. Uh, We're going to listen quickly to Dave the Bard's Merlin Am I, and then we'll be back with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training.
holds his mother in his arms as she dies.
And welcome back to Voice of Olympus The first part of the show has passed And now we have the second part of the show beginning And uh, here in our culture uh, With Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training And today we're going to be exploring How to best embody and express optimal wellness To inspire your community Greetings and welcome Bill, how are you? Good evening, Hercules. I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing well as well. Uh, Everybody today is doing awesome, which is fantastic. I love hearing that people are doing well. Now, I have been receiving your newsletter for quite a while now, and uh, your newsletter is always a source of uh, lots of uh, distilled uh, wisdom Uh, on uh, physical culture and bodybuilding and all its many manifestations. Uh, And you preserved a lot of lore that would have otherwise been lost. And for that, I'm uh, very grateful. Uh, Out of your vast store of knowledge and wisdom, uh, how would you recommend that I fulfill my responsibilities as a champion of the Tenafly Mayor's wellness campaign? The goal is to make the community health conscious and, and as healthy as possible. Well, like anything well, else, like anything uh, else. Uh, if, if you want to uh, 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 teach or show or whatever you, you want to call it, the best way to do it is, is by example. Uh, for example, when, when, you, uh, when, when you're born and you, and you start out, you, you use your senses to witness and, and, and watch and listen and, and learn and emulate. So you teach, and then when you become fluent at something you uh you you do it and then later you teach and the old adage uh, uh, uh once taught twice learned rings true mm. you know it, it's it's like uh, for example if if you want people to see that uh, that uh, eating properly makes a difference uh uh you know you know you you always eat the right thing you you don't eat uh Foods that are high in white sugar, high in, uh, uh, for example, uh, white flour, bleach flour, and uh, and uh, stuff like that. Fresh f- fruit and vegetables, uh, fresh meat and fish, uh, fowl, uh, what have you. The less that man tampers with something, the better off you are, believe me. You know, it's just like fruits and vegetables uh, with the uh, GMOs and, and, uh, and things like that. The fish with the mercury the uh, 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 beef or the chickens with the steroids and the uh, antibiotics and what have you. You know, uh, if you want to know why people do things, follow the money, unfortunately. Unfortunately. You know, it's it's just like, you know, like I say, fruits and vegetables. Uh, 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 Whoever is, uh, is, uh, you know, growing these items naturally wants a better yield, 
you know, for the amount of acreage that they have. And they want a better return. They want a longer shelf life. They want it to look more appealing. You know, you go in a grocery store or wherever, or market or whatever, if you notice that cucumbers always look shiny and everything, a cucumber's not shiny when it's picked. No, it's not. <laughs> You've gardened. You know exactly what I'm saying, Hercules. <laughs> yes, and you know. uh, on, on that note, uh, one of the things that uh, I've been doing with other people, uh, and it, it happened on the podcast like we're talking today, is starting to uh, home garden as much as possible. So uh, uh, I'm very fortunate with a patient and understanding wife, and she started uh, planting all sorts of things uh, near our front window and in our, our front uh uh, lawn, and uh, now we're going to move to a, uh, a greenhouse uh, on our back porch. Uh, so we're really getting into it. But the food is growing so fast, and uh, it's going to be free of chemicals, free of uh, poisons, free of uh, uh, like altered genetics. So we're really looking forward to doing this. That reminds me of a of a gentleman when I got my wife and I first got married about 45 years ago. Uh, moved into our home. And we had a neighbor two doors down, and uh, he was just the nicest guy. And he he was one of these people that couldn't sit still. I mean, you'd you'd be sitting in some there, you know, somewhere, and uh, he'd always be fidgeting. You know, he'd be foot foot tapping, or he'd be looking around the room. It, it's almost like he had a attention deficit, you know. And I, hell, I probably had that too when I was a kid. I have that definitely. <laughs> you know, and, and I have I've always had a problem focusing or concentrating. I'm easily distracted and things like that. Me too. But regardless, what he had was a garden in the back. And and uh, he, he didn't have a very large plot of land behind his home. He lived in the city. and and uh, But I noticed that he had like a little makeshift greenhouse. And I looked at it closely, and it, and it was really well made as far as the windows and all of the woodwork. And I asked him about it. I said, did you make that? He says, well, kind of, sort of. He said, uh, if you look closely, those are my old storm windows. You know, in, in the old days, we had old wooden storm windows, you know, and you had to take them down, and then you put up the screens. You did this every spring and fall. You know, today, you don't have to do that. You know, that's kind of like old-fashioned. But he was the type of guy that didn't throw anything out. You know, he he uh, he, he, uh, he uh, uh, lived through the Great Depression. So, uh, you know, uh -huh. he, he had a... He had a <laughs> He had a real respect for anything, you know, that that uh, that was available. So anyway, uh, uh, I I looked in his garden and everything was the rows were so straight and there wasn't a weed there. There was no weeds. There was nothing, you know. It was like picture perfect. I said, man, this is like better homes and gardens uh, type uh, stuff. And he laughed. He says, you really like that? Huh? I said, I do. And he says, come on in the house. So we I walked. I followed them in the house and went down to his basement. And uh, he had all these black lights and everything. And he says, now, you've got to understand that, that all of those plants came from this basement. He says, he says, right now, this is June, okay? So all of this stuff has already been planted out here. But the thing is, I planted everything, all of these tomatoes, the cucumbers, and the peppers, I planted them all by seed, okay? And I mm -hmm. started them out in my... Uh, in my basement, under a black light, and uh, uh, you know, nurtured them along, and they sprout and what have you. And then he took the uh, uh, seedlings out into his backyard and planted them. 
and he, he does that every year. It's his hobby. It was his thing. And, uh, uh, and I, I can't remember all the different tomatoes. And he, you know, he knew a lot about uh, all the different plants and the cucumbers and the peppers. And he had hot peppers, he had mild peppers. He planted, uh, oh, a number of other uh, 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 plants. But those are the ones I was really into. He didn't do much corn. Corn takes up a lot of, of uh, room for any, any type yeah. of, uh, you know, reasonable yield. Uh, oh, he had... Uh, uh, he had melons. I want mm-hmm. to say musk melons and uh, cantaloupe. And uh, but I, you know, I was fascinated with the guy, and I would come visit with him every every couple weeks, and I'd see how he was coming along. And uh, 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 he, he was just a fascinating individual. But uh, yeah, I, I like you probably know. I I live in Michigan, where we have the four seasons. Okay. And and I love it here. I've talked to people that uh, move out to Arizona, you know, and the first thing that they miss is the Four Seasons because out in Arizona, you know, it isn't like Michigan where, oh, I wonder if it's going to rain tomorrow or be cloudy. <laughs> no. In Arizona, you know, look up, up up in the sky and there's the sun every single day, okay? But in uh, in uh, in Michigan, you have the Four Seasons. And uh, we always look forward to uh, – certain things in, in Michigan. For example, tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes, homegrown uh, uh, strawberries, and uh, sweet corn. Those, those were the three things I, I grew up with. My father loved those three things, and uh, he was always uh, always looking out for uh, the fruit stands or the little, you know, the, the uh, off-road uh, uh, people that would sell whatever they grew in their gardens, you know. And uh, oh, a fresh tomato! There's just absolutely nothing like it. Uh, you know. Uh, you're, you're right. You know Those because. Are awesome. Well, yeah, you know because you know, and I can understand a store. They're going to have to pick them when they're slightly green or whatever. You know, by the time they, you know, it goes through the uh, through the cycle to get into the store and all that stuff. That by that time it's red. But that doesn't mean that it's that it's uh, necessarily uh, uh, ripe, so to speak. Vine ripened is what you want to have. You want it to get ripe on the vine, because you can take a green tomato and you can set it in your windowsill, and in a few days it'll be red, you know, and supposedly ripe. But it just doesn't taste the same. But a vine ripened tomato, and and I used to do a uh, take a salt shaker, a pepper, and stuff like that, or or make a tomato sandwich, you know, and, and uh-huh. that sort of thing. And uh, but there's you know there's just something that the the taste is just remarkable to me you know and there's a variety of different tomatoes that uh, especially nowadays uh, but uh, yeah you know getting back to your to your subject matter as far as as uh, you know showing people uh, the the health and the well wellness Charles Atlas for example every morning without fail this is I think this is in his course but I wouldn't swear to it he said that he would take a fresh lemon. And squeeze it in a uh, in a uh, uh, glass of warm water, warm. Mm-hmm. You see, every morning, and he would drink that. It would be a you know a full glass of water, and he would a whole lemon, and he would squeeze it into that glass, and he would he would always do that, you know. And he said that helped a great deal. There was another gentleman. Uh, you're probably familiar with him in the health uh, industry. Is a Carl? I'm sorry, Paul Bragg. B R A G G. Yes, yes, he's, yes. Fa- mm-hmm. he's famous uh, as far as uh, 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 he, he published another, uh, a number of books, but today he's famous for his vinegar. 
if you look yeah. uh, in, in the stores, that vin- and I, I use that vinegar, and uh, uh, it works well for me. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's uh, it's very healthy. I mean, to, to drink it straight is ghastly. I mean, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it'll get your attention. But regardless, yes, definitely. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. I like it. And uh, I, I think that the health benefits are uh, are uh, well well worth it in, in that respect. Uh, eating small meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're going to eat healthy, eat small meal. Breakfast is an absolute must, you know, because you're going. Uh, let's say you're uh, here uh, 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 the day before uh, your, your last meal was at let's say 5 p.m., 6 p.m., what have you. Okay, you're 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 going uh, uh, at least 12 possibly 14 hours to, to uh, you know, breakfast. Well, breakfast is called that for a reason. The word breakfast is because you're fasting yes. <laughs> for 12 hours, you know, 12 or 14 so you're hours. <laughs> well, that's true. And, 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 and the whole thing is your, 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 your body needs that, uh, that food. You, you know, I used to get a kick out of listening to people that live in the city. Of course, I was born and raised in the city, too, but my grandfather was a farmer dirt farmer mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, in early 1900s around 1900 matter of fact and uh, uh, you know people in the city would say how does a farmer eat all that in the morning you know they eat the eggs the bacon uh, potatoes maybe they would have pork chops you know bread and butter or toast or what have you you know it, how, how can they eat that at eight in the morning well, it's relative. They've been up since 4 o'clock, and they've been working, you know, f- hard physical work. You know, I, I can give you a, a laundry list of, of things that a farmer has to do first thing in the morning, especially back in those days when you didn't have indoor plumbing. You had to, you had to go to the well. You had to bring the water in, okay, and then you had mm-hmm. to go milk the cows. You had to feed the chickens. You had goats. You possibly had pigs. You had to slop the pigs. And and a, and a number of other things, but you know, just a a number of different chores that you have to do. So by the time you're, you know, you 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 come in and uh, you're hungry, you know, to, to top it off, you you haven't eaten since you know the uh, day before. Farmers usually eat around four thirty, five o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. They call it supper, and their dinner is uh, what we call lunch. You know, eat that around noon, but uh, that was that, you know that was the thing. Uh, but if, if, if the most important meal of the day is breakfast. If you skip any other meal, uh, maybe you can get by with it. But breakfast, you have to have a breakfast to start the day and, and uh, get going after, uh, you know, uh, 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 eight or nine hours sleep, whatever. And uh, But I believe in going to bed early is probably the best uh, the, the best thing a person could possibly do. The worst thing that's ever, ever, ever been created and why i don't know is the 11 o'clock news <laughs> now let's stop and think about this hercules it's damn near the okay. middle of the night it's damn near the middle of the night what what are you doing having the new why can't you have the news earlier or you have it at 10 o'clock or nine o'clock and be done with it but i know people that well they have to stay up and watch the news it's going to be there tomorrow tape it i mean if you got to know what, what's the difference if you know it right away or if you know it the next day, you know, is it going to be the end of the world? Is it going to be, you know, um, uh, and then there's people that stay up and watch the late show, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. My God, you know, that that is the middle of the night. 
you know, and and uh, insomnia is a serious problem. And of course, that's a piece of the puzzle as far as like you like we're we're discussing here as far as the health benefits. Uh-huh. You know. Now, um, um, we've discussed it uh, before. Uh, some like for instance, I know that if I sleep more than six hours. Um, even a minute more than six hours, I'm groggy for the rest of the day. And uh, I've spent years uh, like on four or five hours and, and feeling fantastic. Uh, whereas my uh, wife, uh, she needs like uh, at least eight hours uh, sleep. And um, it's been my experience that so, some people, I don't know, their biological clock is set differently. So pe- people need like different amounts of time. I try to rest because I can't sit still, as I did it before. I try to right. rest through right. meditation. And I've learned that if I do meditation twice a day for 20 minutes, uh, I feel much more uh, uh, relaxed and energetic. So uh, maybe for people who have that same problem, uh, that might be a, a possible solution. Because uh, ever since I started meditating, uh, I still have tons of energy, but the nervous energy that was there before is now calm energy. So that's a lot better than nervous energy. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, that's that's good. good. That's good. And, and it's it's funny you bring that up. And, and I've meant to discuss this uh, with people over the years, something that somebody once told me, I didn't know exactly what it was, but whether you're a so-called quote unquote morning person, okay. Mm -hmm. Or you are a night person. Okay. May depend on the hour of the day that you were born. Hmm. You see what I mean? I guess yes. uh, say you were born at, and I don't know, and I don't know the connection, but it, it would be well worth the research. Uh, what time of the day that you were born, let's say you were born at 3 a.m. in the morning, okay, mm-hmm. and, and and your wife was born uh, at uh, 8 p.m. in the evening or, 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 or 4 p.m. or whatever, okay, uh, seeing as how you seem to have different needs for sleep, for sleep, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying just because, just because you are a, uh, you can get by on on six hours of sleep, you know, four or five, six hours of sleep, whatever it is, doesn't mean necessarily that you're a morning person. It just no. means that you can stay up later, and and you can get up earlier. Say right. So you're you're you're. You're adding your, you know, to your waking hours on each end, but now your wife may have to go to bed, and it may have to be a rigid um, ritual where she has to go to bed at a certain time. Okay, let's say that she needs to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning. Okay, well then she'd better go to bed at 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. You know, it would right. only make sense to give her the eight hours. You know. If she discovers that she tries to stay up till 11 o'clock, she pays for it the next morning, you know, and she's not good for the rest of the day. Uh, that, but you know, everybody, everybody is different, you know. And yes. When I said eight or nine hours, you know, it's it's usually the eight hours that everybody talks about. But then, of course, everybody talks about eight ounce glasses or eight eight glasses of water a day, you know. Uh, that may work for some people. Other people, I don't think it works for them, you know, especially when you consider, you know, some people weigh 100 pounds, other people weigh 300 pounds. Now, you can't tell me that both of those people need the same amount of water or require right. the same amount of water, see. But I think that, 
that that would be in her. I'm going to have to do some research on that as to the time of day that you're born. And and uh, 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 it could have something to do with the biorhythms. You know, uh, I, I I read many years ago, uh, gosh, this is in the 60s, I read that in Japan, they believe in biorhythms so much that they follow your biorhythms. When I say you go to a hospital and you need to be operated on. Uh-huh. They follow your biorhythms, and they find where the optimum time, they can read these biorhythms, and you have, you know, good days and bad days and stuff like that, and they'll only operate when the biorhythms are favorable. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I, I, can't I read, read that a long time ago. I didn't know they were yeah. still doing that. I, I remember well, I, I read that during they... the... The, right. the biorhythm craze here uh, in the United States we had uh, at one point, right. I guess in the 70s or 80s. And uh, um, yeah. that is awesome that they're still doing it because uh, a lot of uh, – th- there are a lot of changes uh, um, here that uh, I don't understand why we dropped certain things with, that seem to be working very effectively in, uh, in healthcare. Well, the thing is – I don't know if the Japanese still do that, but uh, Eastern uh, medicine versus Western medicine, you know, they're they're always, I think people should be open-minded to a lot of the things that the, that the uh, uh, Eastern medicine dictates because they're ancient. They go back, you know, yes. millions of years, forever, okay? And and to just discount some of the stuff because of what it appears to be or whatever, I don't think that's a good idea. For example, uh, with Western medicine, we have what they call chiropractic. And uh, uh, chiro means hand, hand manipulation, yes. okay? And it's a relatively uh, recent development in, in uh, uh, you, know, m- you know, medical type or healthcare, okay? Uh I think it started right around 1880 or something like that. I wouldn't swear to it, but there's only a couple of schools in the United States that uh, that uh, you know teach where you can get a degree in chiropractic. Mm-hmm. But uh, 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 you know, some people say, "Well, I don't want to go to chiropractor because of this, this, and this," and other people, such as myself, I went to one twice in my life and I had very favorable experiences both times. I mean, I couldn't get up off the floor. Okay. Wow. On both on both times, it was that bad. It was terrible. I could I could barely get in there. I mean, I was almost crawling. Okay, and uh, I did some adjustments, and the, that was it. This was back in the seventies. Okay, and then there are people that uh, uh, that scoff at uh, one of the Eastern uh, uh, healthcare methods is uh, with the uh, with the needles. What do they call that? Uh, acupuncture. Acupuncture. Okay. And I know people that were the resident cynic. Uh, they would make fun of it, and they'd say this and that and the other thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, they do things like stick those uh, needles in your ears for whatever thing or on the top of your head. Uh-huh. If you've ever seen the needles, they're real skinny. I mean, they're almost like a hair, you know, and they're about three or four inches long or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they uh, strategically place them in, in certain places to get the uh, the the, uh, the results, Okay. And these people that thought, oh, this is, you know, they said, wow, was I wrong about that? And it worked. 
say. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I say this. Um, try it. It may work for you, and then again, it may not. But you'll never know unless you try it. Unless you try okay. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, 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 also uh, body massage, like foot massage, manipulation. You've, you've seen the, uh, 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 the the charts for the bottom of the feet, where if you rub a certain yes, portion, it's to. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know I I don't discount that, and I don't uh, I don't boohoo any of that. I say, hey, if it works for some people, go for it. Now, I personally have never tried it. If the if the uh, if the situation presented itself where I thought this may help, or somebody recommended somebody, I would go after it. Sure, why not? You know, uh, what what do you have? You know, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid. Everybody said, oh, bloodletting, you know, and leeches and all that stuff. Oh, they used to do that hundreds of years ago and all that, and, and nobody did it. Well, guess what? There's a big research, resurgence of bloodletting and and uh, uh, using leeches and, and, and certain other, uh, uh, you know, things like that that you would think, well, you wouldn't want any part of that. But <laughs> if properly done, and I say that with all these type of uh, healthcare uh, methods, if properly done by people that are well-educated in the field, uh, well-trained, uh, it's something to consider, you know, especially when you're in a situation where, you know, uh, like my uh, you know, my situation with a chiropractor, you know, <laughs> you go to a, a, a medical doctor. It depends on the type of doctor he is. Mm-hmm. Say so you go into a general internist, okay? He's going to give you a pill. I don't care what's wrong with you. He's going to give you a pill because that's the only tool he has. Now, if you talk to a surgeon, he wants to take the knife to you. Why? Because that's the tool that he uses. You know, uh-huh. if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. <laughs> you understand oh, what I'm saying? If you yes, go in and you talk to somebody and... and uh, 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 you want something done that's they they don't want to say I can't help you now if they have if if they're uh uh honest and and they have a you know a, a moral conscience they will direct so they will simply so you know explain to you Hercules I can't help you you know this is not my forte this is not my focus this mm-hmm. is not my field I'm not going to you know mislead you but I can direct you to somebody who I think can help you. And then they might direct you to somebody that uh, they can do that. I remember talking, and again, this is back in the 70s, about chiropractors because I had I had gone to this chiropractor the second time, okay? And then I was talking to a medical doctor about it. I said, man, I went and I had this uh, chiropractor work on me, and I don't know if you've ever gone to a, a chiropractor, Hercules, but if you go no, in there, my, they've got these special tables. My wife because she's been yeah. to a chiropractor. Uh, I've I've been to physical therapy, but I've never been to a chiropractor. Yeah, I yeah. would, uh, I would uh, uh, go in there, and they would have, if you've ever been in, they have a special table, you know, a hydraulic yes, table, those. and it's split down the middle. And uh, they also have flat tables and stuff like that. But depending upon what they're going to do, they end up crawling all over top of you and and wrestling with you and and cracking you and and all this stuff because I was on the table and and I could feel the uh, when when he did the manipulation I could feel it go all the way down my spine. It's like all the spools were moved all the way down. 
Uh-huh. I had never felt that before in my life. And I thought, wow. And then afterward, you just, it's like you're so relaxed. I was absolutely, hmm. even to this day, I can remember this, okay? And this is, what, 40 years ago, okay? Uh, it, but but it, uh, it was something, it was my experience, okay? Now, some people may not have that experience. I don't know. Right. You know, because you go in and you're, you've, you've seen people adjust, uh, you know, probably, uh, you can go on um, uh, the Internet and you can see various chiropractic adjustments of the neck and the arms and shoulders and all this stuff. But... Uh, Anyway, I'm going on and on and on about this, okay, to uh-huh. the medical doctor, and he's just sitting there looking at me. And I said, uh, by the way, what do you think of chiropractors? He says, well, I think they have their place, but it hasn't been dug yet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he did not like chiropractors. He says, that's, yeah, he says, that's, uh, that, that's uh, black magic. He says, that's that's, that's well, not, uh, not a good thing. That's, but that's his opinion, you know. I, but and yeah, that's his opinion. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, uh, I know I grew up uh, Greek, so there were all these like Greek remedies that sound very uh, um, black magic-y to people when you describe oh, yeah. them. Yeah. They worked perfectly when I was growing up. That's what my parents uh, did and my grandparents, and uh, that's how they kept us uh, healthy. But now it sounds uh, like Venduzis. Venduzis are uh, you put like a, a cotton pad inside a glass and yeah, uh, you, yeah. you light it on fire, and then you put it on the afflicted part of your body. And depending on yeah. what color it turned, it would tell you if there was something actually um, wrong with you. And then doing the Venduzis treatment, you get better much quicker than uh, using like over-the-counter remedies or going to a doctor for like a minor thing. But that's frowned upon now. And uh, uh, in fact, if you apply Venduzis, you might be accused of like abusing somebody, you know, because you're, you're basically putting fire cups on them. So, uh, but it worked. And there was, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about, uh, somebody has an earwax problem. You can yes. get these funnels, these paper funnels. I think they're made out of paper. But anyway, uh-huh. you stick the uh, the pointed end of the funnel, into the, you have them lay on their side and with your ear facing up, and you take the point of the funnel and you stick that down in their ear. Well, then you light the mm-hmm. other end, the, the large end, on fire, and they, the, the uh, theoretically... <laughs> or so they like me to believe, the heat naturally goes up and draws the wax out of the ear. Now, some people say it absolutely positively works. Other people say it's the most dangerous thing in the world. Don't do it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so you have varying opinions, you know. And, and it's funny about home remedies. When I was a, a kid, my, my grandparents told me about how things were back in the 30s. Well, you had, mm-hmm. if you called a medical doctor, the medical doctor came to the house. Right. You know, because chances are, uh, if if you were lucky back then, you owned an automobile, and you only owned one, okay? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a matter that everybody could just jump in the car, and, uh, you know, we're, there were no supermarkets. You know, there's nothing like it is today. So the, the, the medical doctor came to the house. Well, uh, uh there are certain things he could do. Uh, he, he would check you out and, and, and stuff like that, and uh, he would give you possibly medicine. But there were also a lot of home remedies. Bernard McFadden, you've heard of McFadden. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
He was a famous health uh, guru back uh, in the early part of the 20th century. And and uh, he would come up with a lot of the home, home remedies. You know, he, he simply had them and people used them. Okay. And, and uh, um, you would be able to buy some of these uh, preparations, uh, mustard patches, you know. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, we would uh, use that Vicks Vapo rub. They would, mm-hmm. uh, my mother yes. would rub that on my chest, and I'd take one of my brother's, my younger brother's cloth diapers and put it on my chest, and i you know, go to bed uh, if I had a cold, you know. Or uh, worse yet, and this is something I absolutely couldn't handle at all, but had to do it, was uh, she would put that Vicks Vapo rub, I think she put it in boiling water, and uh, had me hold my head over the, my face over this pan, yes, yes, and, yes. and a towel over the top of my head, and breathe those vapors. <laughs> I, I remember those remedies, too. I've, I've had them applied to me as well. <laughs> it's amazing we've survived. I can't believe it, you know. But there are a lot of medicines, uh, uh, for example, aspirin. You know, aspirin is a uh, uh, over-the-counter name. The 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 real name is uh, quite a bit longer. And Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R, a German company, is the one who came up with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's made from the bark of a willow tree. Yes. See, and and uh, a lot of these remedy, a lot of these uh, medications you know, uh, uh, pills and and powders and stuff like that are, I honestly believe, came from, uh, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago through even uh, in, in indigenous Americans, you know, natives, uh, um, Europeans, and, of course, uh, uh, those in Asia. Because Asia, mm-hmm. you know, the shortest... Uh, uh, dynasty in uh, in Asia is like 600 years. You know, we're a young pup compared to. Uh, yes, we are. To, uh, yeah, you know, it's everything. We forget that a lot of times. You can you can name a dozen China. <laughs> Who invented pasta? China. <laughs> I mean, go right down the list. China invent just about behooves anybody uh, that is serious as far as passing down any type of of health regimen or methods to study what the, what the uh, what the Asian people uh, uh, have have provided us, you know, uh, because the, the whole medical uh, uh, industry was started out as back alley. It was you know we going, if you want to go back far enough, you were burned to the stake if you did yeah. anything that uh, even remotely uh, uh, resembled something that somebody couldn't understand you know and keep in mind people back then had a very very limited education so if something even remotely looked as though it was uh you know evil or anything uh uh you know you were ostracized you know it it was actually back alley and it's it's, it's it's a shame but that's how it was you know It's, it's it's very true, and uh, uh, I think that uh, the uh, the story of Frankenstein uh, exemplifies uh, what we at the time uh, medical students had to deal with uh, uh, shady types who trafficked in stolen bodies or had to yes, steal Mary Shelley, yeah, one of the most classic uh, of all uh, 
uh, horror uh, 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 publications. Movies, yeah. Same way with uh, with uh, 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 Doctor Jekyll and uh, this, the strange yes, case of yes. Doctor Jekyll and and, uh, and Mr. Hyde. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, I think, wrote that. Mm-hmm. And that was based on a nightmare that he had, a series of nightmares that he had. Um, I don't know if it was just one night. It could have been more than one night of nightmares. But he wrote the book in uh, just a couple of weeks. It was that impre- he was that uh, impressed by it, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, Same thing, you know, you, you had somebody that, that was... Uh, you know, going to uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, use something uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, in, in that capacity, and uh, uh, to alter his uh, disposition. But Frankenstein is a good example. You know, the normal brain, abnormal brain, sort of thing, and the uh, the uh, 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 trying to become uh, uh, godlike, which is all too familiar throughout history with uh, with all that yes. goes on. And and uh, eventually creating something that en- engulfs and destroys the creator, you know, it's uh, fascinating. It, 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 and it's a powerful message too. They did it very successfully, uh, most recently on the Westworld uh, remake, and before that on Battlestar Galactica, uh, which was a reenvisioning of that. And it, it showed very powerfully how. Uh, um, the creation, if not treated humanely, will turn on the creator and destroy them. Absolutely, and keep that in mind. I won't see it in my lifetime, but uh, I think there will be other people that are living that will see it. But it's an extremely, extremely powerful tool, but it hasn't been time-tested. The, the long-term ramifications on individuals of... Uh, of uh, keeping uh, or having the discipline to keep uh, uh, the use of the Internet under control, Uh, not just uh, by virtue of a computer, but uh, tablets or cell phones or anything like that. It's uh, and and it's something where uh, we we turn a lot of what we have because of laziness, I feel, over to automation. You know, we have uh, self-driving cars. A self-driving car, you know, uh, uh, what what fascinates me is what are the chances of one of these cars malfunctioning? You know, right. one in a thousand is what 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 becomes collateral? What goes beyond collateral damage? Uh, one in a thousand, one in ten fatality. Uh, how how serious is that to to uh, you know change anything? You know. Uh, uh, we have a tremendous amount of automobile accidents today based yes. on uh, human error. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, necessarily uh, just human error, you know, uh, and, and, uh, but um, that, that is also something to contend with. But as far as a person's health and, and uh, eating properly is just one part of it. I've often felt that there are, uh, five different things uh, that actually put it all together, and that is the first thing is recuperation, and we have. To, and then you have something called attitude. Okay. Very important. This is the important one. 
do you want to do this? How bad do you want to do it? Okay, do you have the time to do it? Uh, are you the person that is going to stay on top of it with, with discipline or whatever? Okay, so you have recuperation, attitude, and then you have nutrition. And we've covered that as far as what you eat, when you eat it, you know. Uh, and and that, that involves, oh, you know, everybody would like to cookie cutter and say one size fits all with all this stuff. And that, that can't be. For example, you no. may you may be lactose intolerant. So now, what do you do? I'm not going to sit here and tell you to drink. I'm not going to tell you to drink dairy, you know, drink milk or dairy products or what have you. Okay. Or let's say somebody just cannot stomach uh, 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 meat, animal mm-hmm. flesh. Okay, they can't. Okay. So now, what do you do? Well, you have to you you have to figure out a substitute for that as far as nutritional value, and I'm sure you have by now. I, and then I'm you have another thing, right? And then you have another thing called genetics. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is something that a lot of people say. Well, genetics don't matter, or they go to, or the, other they go to the other end and they say hey, uh, genetics are everything. You're either born to do this or hang it up. Okay, uh, you can you can go beyond. A lot of famous people uh, uh, that were genetically disadvantaged. Okay, I can name a ton of them that were Olympic champions. Uh, I can name many of them that were, uh, as far as uh, how they were treated growing up, as far as the, what everybody thought of their men- mentality and everything. Uh, the, Walt Disney's one of them always comes to mind. He bit over the uh, whether he'd ever be successful. You know. How other people perceive you and how you perceive that they perceive you can have a, a very devastating effect or can have a very positive effect. You know, if you're yeah. told every day of your life that you are the greatest thing since, you know, bottled beer as, as, as far as athletics or, or um, uh, uh, intellectual uh, 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 scholarly work or whatever, uh, you may come to believe it. And then if, if somebody tells you that you're, you know, you're dumb as a sack of hammers, if you're going to come to believe that and it's not true, it doesn't make any difference. You have brainwashed yourself into believing it. Five uh-huh. uh, is exercise. And I always place that at the end because people usually think, well, if I want to, you know, get physically fit and everything, jump right into exercise that I named prior to that are far more important. And you notice I placed recuperation at the very top. Because uh-huh, even yeah. if you're a teenager, if you're 18 years old, where you have the uh, you know the metabolism of a blast furnace, you can go two days without sleep. You know, uh, you can eat uh, you know you can eat uh, uh, cold pizza and flat Pepsi Cola, and and mm-hmm. still make gains. Those days, mark the calendar because. They're not going to last very long, okay? That's just how uh-huh. it is. Recuperation, as you get older, as you well know and I well know, are that's very, very important. And, of course, attitude. Attitude probably is the most important thing uh, uh, next to uh, recuperation. And then nutrition, you know, what you eat. You are what you eat. It's very, very true. Uh, you have to figure out what works for you, like yourself, you you have a predisposition. Uh, uh, you can't handle uh, you know, uh, 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 dairy products. 
I presume. And and uh, right. uh, so you have to work around that. And there's ways of doing that. Okay. I'm not. Yes, there I'm are. not suggesting to anybody. Uh, I I love to get into these. Uh, I, I I do more watching than I do getting involved with these people that say, "Well, got to be a vegetarian," you know, or "No, you got to eat all meat products and forget vegetables and stuff like that." I said, you know, you're you're going one extreme to the other. And and I what I like to you know and and then they'll say this is what it should be for everybody. Well, not everybody is the same. Uh, some people have a very very different uh, digestive system. Some people have a very uh, uh, sensitive stomach. For myself, I can eat anything isn't nailed down. There is very little that I don't like. I I, I am a very uh, 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 easy to please type person uh, as, as far as uh, cooking and stuff like that. And, and vegetables. There's only a few vegetables that I don't care for. And I honestly believe there was a long time that I didn't like okra. Don't know if you've ever had it. <laughs> I, okay. I grew up with okra too, so I'm I'm, I'm oh, digging man. with it. I tell this story all the time. When I was a kid, I tried okra and it was boiled. Okay, and I said to myself, "This has got to be the worst thing that I, you know, I would sooner." You know, I would sooner stick needles in my eyes. This is terrible. I couldn't, I couldn't swallow it. <laughs> I mean, it, I, 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 I gagged on it, okay? And believe me, that's hard for me to do. And, and uh, so for years, 30 years, I used to say, I don't like okra. Well, a friend of mine said, well, you know, and he was from the South, okay? And they don't boil anything in the South. They fry everything. Who, who's that uh, Dean character with the butter all the time? Uh-huh. South. Everything, you know, start out with a quarter stick of butter. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, I told this to a friend of mine from the South. I, I said, you know, it's one thing I don't like is okra. He says, you don't? I said, no. Well, he said, how'd you have it? I said, it was boiled. He couldn't stop laughing. He says, nobody eats okra boiled. He says, you got to have it fried. He said, I'll bring in some tomorrow. He brought <laughs> in, it was awesome. And I eat okra to this day, but only if it's deep fried. Deep fried okra, I will eat, Okay. Not that I'm a big fan of deep fried or clear of it, but if I'm ever going to eat it, that's the only way I'll eat it. Another one was Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. Now those are the two vegetables I didn't care for, and I uh, for years I didn't care for Brussels sprouts. And again, again, the damn things were boiled. Okay, I don't know what this boiling thing is, but anyway, uh, somebody prepared them. They may have boiled them first, but they uh, they also fried them. And they with seasoning and, and stuff like that. And I said, man, these are awesome. And, again, I will eat Brussels sprouts. So I honestly believe that preparation is everything, you know, mm-hmm. because otherwise, uh, you know, there's a lot of vegetables and fruits you probably wouldn't eat if you had to eat them raw. Uh, cauliflower is an exception. I like cauliflower cooked, and I also like it raw, Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it's all a matter of a person's uh, uh, taste as to what they prefer, okay, and what, uh-huh. their body, what their body can tolerate. Now, I have I've been friends with several uh, Jewish people in my life, okay, uh, Orthodox in some cases, and they keep an, if they keep an Orthodox kitchen, and I can't remember... I can't remember what it is, but there are certain food combinations that they can't, they don't eat together. And I can't remember what the heck it was. I realize, you know, most people know that they don't eat uh, uh, any any animal with a split hoof, 
like uh, a swine. It has a split hoof. They can't eat it. Uh-huh. Okay? So they don't eat bacon. They don't eat pork. And, uh, and, and you know, shellfish is another one because it says specifically in the Old Testament <coughs> not to eat shellfish. Okay. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it's not called shellfish, but that's that's what it comes to be. Like for example, lobster or uh, shrimp, uh-huh. uh, anything with a shell. But anyway, I I want to say meat and I, I don't quote me on this. I think it's meat and dairy, something that they don't they don't eat together at the same meal. I uh, believe you're correct. Yes, uh, but I'm, I'm yeah. And, you know, there there may be very good reason for digestion. You know, some of the stuff, like we said earlier, that we've overlooked, uh, uh-huh. you know, about hundreds and thousands of years, it may have a lot of credence uh, as far as, as uh, you know, uh, look into again. Uh, um, like a rediscovery, as I think you might say. Uh, but... Uh, that that is something that uh, that, that uh, and, and uh, for example, being ethnic, I believe you said you're a Greek. Your family yes. is yes. Okay, so you have a Greek lineage, which is Mediterranean. Okay. Now yes. there are many foods, seeing as how you lived, your uh, uh, ancestry lived near the water, so there's a lot of uh, uh, fish. Uh, water. Yeah, a lot of fish. It's like Japanese. What are they going to do? They're on an island. Okay. Sure, they're going to eat fish. Are you out of your mind? Of course they are, <laughs> you know. And they eat a lot of fish that I don't think we would eat here. Yeah, I think there is a few of them if they're not prepared properly. There we go again with the preparation. Uh-huh. Not prepared properly can kill you, can poison you. Okay, something about a blowfish or something like that. I don't know, but just things I pick up, and and uh, 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 it just depends on the culture. But as far as the Greek food. And what have you? And I love Greek food. Okay, my uh, uh, ethnic foods of of, uh, of of all kinds, but I love uh-huh. Greek food, and and uh, uh, a lot of the Mediterranean area. And then you know you go further uh, uh, when you go to Turkey, and then uh, uh, around uh, you know even down uh, through uh, you know northern Africa and stuff like that as to what people eat. And I tell people. As far as all of this vegetarianism and, and eating meat and eating fish and yada yada yada, there's one more most important rule, and that is availability. All right. Uh, for example, I get back to my grandparents. They had a fruit and cellar. They, 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 I've, they, I've they, just they, been informed, Bill, that we have 90 seconds. I was so enraptured okay. in what you were saying. Uh, so we're going to need to wrap up, but to be continued definitely. And uh, uh, I'm going to ask, do you have a flyer for super strength uh, training? Uh, you mean like a catalog? No, not a catalog, a flyer. I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot of things uh, publicly, and uh, um, I want to, uh, beyond the podcast, I want, if, if you have a flyer, I could leave it on the table when I do stuff for people to pick up. Oh, well, I can probably put something together. How many do you okay. need? Okay. Uh, if you send me one, I'll print them out. Okay. I'll put something together and I'll send it out to you. Okay. And thank you again. As always, you're an awesome guest and uh, phenomenally informative uh, and very honest because, in truth, everybody is unique. 
uh, and uh, you're one of the few people I know that continues to reinforce that truth. So thank you. You are very welcome, Richelieu. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. I hope your uh, your listeners got something out of our discussion. Oh, they certainly did, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to next month already. Uh, take care, Bill. Have a great day. You too. Bye now. And thanks to all who joined us tonight. Uh, this is the new direction the show is going, and uh, I hope you find it uh, as helpful as I found it. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>